Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favourite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Just a heads up, guys, we've seen the film. We're going to be discussing it with spoilers. It's really the kind of movie you want to watch without having anything spoiled. I'm amazed I was able to avoid spoilers. I basically put out a social media ban on myself, Lloyd. You went right at the midnight screening here in Australia, and I had to wait till Friday morning. So that's, you know, a decent amount of time to try and avoid all of the stuff everyone was posting online how did you do oh yeah i did i did all right i was a little bit tired i saw this at 12 a.m um in australian time i think the first initial screening obviously and i didn't see it in 3d i saw it in uh, normal 2d cinema it was pretty packed had a few kids in it but everyone was very respectful i as well didn't see it in 3d we've had this discussion on the podcast before i mean i don't think it's quite where i want it to be I'm not sure it becomes a better experience. The thing is, I do sort of feel like maybe I should watch this again, so perhaps I'll give IMAX or 3D a go next time. Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking the same thing. The 3D tickets were sold out right away, but not the 2D, because I ordered mine about a week and a half before, and there were still lots of seats left, So, but the, the 3D went like right away. Well, we've been waiting a long time for this. The next chapter in, you know, Luke Skywalker... Leia Organa and Han Solo's lives you know 30 years after we've last seen them we had to endure the prequels Lloyd and it feels like (laughs) you know it's been a very long time coming um I think J.J. Abrams was a really good choice for director I think he probably won't do another one and so really this acts as kind of a reboot doesn't it I mean Star Wars is back pretty much and we're going to see a film every year effectively the biggest thrust of criticism this film is going to take and it's currently taking right now is that it's the exact same movie as um, Star Wars in 1977 the original I don't know if you noticed that Dave but I've been reading a lot of criticism and that's the biggest thrust of um, criticism that all the critics are throwing at it um I, I don't think I like that criticism as Howard Hawke said well if it worked once you might as well do it again. And of course, Howard Hawks pretty much remade Rio Bravo with El Dorado like eight years later. It's pretty much the exact same movie, um, just with different cast members. The only one that really reprises his role is, of course, John Wayne. And I think J.J. Abrams and team took that to heart, putting an X-ray on Star Wars and getting that exoskeleton narrative structure and inserting his own movie, like his own modern movie over it, making sure he doesn't miss a beat. J.J. Uh, Abrams, as you said, is you know a really great choice. He's a diehard fan of Star Wars. And this film, it's like a huge love letter to, to the film, like I guess Star Trek was to the original Star Trek. Um, it, it's so much so that he's not diverting from what George Lucas made with Star Wars in 77. And, and I want to say, if I can be a little bit critical, I did feel a little bit of the cold hand of Disney lingering in its soul. Like... Uh, they're just there like asking oh can we have um, a new funny looking robot like r2 can we have a new vader update the ships you you know like i get that disney is this huge empire and and it wants to make money 
Um, but I, I have to ignore the remake factor unless it's a, an, another author blatantly plagiarizing somebody else's story. But uh, I don't agree with that argument, like going, oh, it's just the exact movie as original Star Wars. I have to take away, is this a great experience? And I have to say, this was a, a, an excellent experience. Like the whole crowd was laughing at all the jokes. It was just nostalgic seeing the cast there. You know, uh, right from the get go, I was just like, wow. You know, the opening scenes, it was just absolutely terrific. I really enjoyed um, The Force Awakens. Part of. Um the fact that it's a mirror of the 1977 film, there were a lot of nods to, I suppose, the original, but the fact was that they set up these identical sequences. I, I enjoyed the film as well, I'll say it off the bat, uh, but the thing was the tension was taken away somewhat because I knew when they were setting up things, as we'll get into this plot, um, it felt exactly the same as the 1977 film, and so... You're kind of going, oh, okay, those people are there, this is going to happen. And it did. As well, in this modern era, like uh, you find out the actors are already doing scenes from episode eight. So you're like, all right, well, they survive. You know, <laughs> like I said, I'm amazed nobody sort of, I didn't overhear anybody say any of the big spoilers of this film because there are a few. But yeah, I, I, the cold hand of Disney you mentioned, um, there were a few characters. Captain Phasma was one of them. I felt like they didn't have a lot to do and that they were just there for the merch and hopefully that they'll have a bigger role in episode eight and stuff. It's so um, funny. He's like, she's like Bobo Fett, mm. you know, and like uh, Bobo Fett just felt like he was a bounty hunter, but he looked good just, just by the off chance the designer was really good. In this one, it felt shoehorn there. I'll make sure, you know, it's like a Bobo Fett so people buy the toys and they marketed it so incredibly well, this movie. Like, um, you thought that she had or that that Stormtrooper had a significant role in the movie, you know, and I'm sure it sold a lot of toys before the movie even came out of that specific Stormtrooper. Yeah, and uh, I think on interviews, because she's from Game of Thrones, they interviewed her and she said, oh, my character's a real badass and blah, blah, blah. Uh pretty much all she does is like they kill all those innocent people in the opening scenes and then she just kind of tells Finn off look uh, I've heard some criticism straight away in the film the scrolling text Luke has vanished the first order first order has risen they want to kill Luke who's the last Jedi Leia has sent a pilot to Jakku to meet an old ally leading to a clue to find Luke and his whereabouts people said that the opening titles gave away too much <laughs> That now they're way across the plot, and they're, I guess they're ahead of where the characters are. So maybe, yeah. Um, I just thought they had thirty years to catch up on, so I was reading every bit of text there, you know, trying to conjure up exactly what has happened in between. Uh, we're going to get into. Um, we made some predictions about Star Wars on a video. Uh, we're going to get into how we did in that later in the podcast too. I should say. Uh, one thing I know we said was BB-8 will be a favourite. Everyone will love BB-8. Um, Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac, is at the beginning of the film, and his kind of offsider is BB-8. You know, it's very similar to the Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi style of 1977. Do you mean by putting the map in R2-D2? Of the in BB-8, yeah. yep. You're giving him that little USB. <laughs> And uh, sending him on, you know, the beginnings of the adventure, pretty much. I did think it was interesting in that opening sequence. I mean, we can tell which one is Finn of the Stormtroopers straight away. 
Uh, he's the one with the blood on his helmet, and really they only seem to do that so that you could tell who he was. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting that they did that strategy. I was constantly wondering um, how many other Finns are in this First Order that are seeking salvation, that are confused, that are these warriors that are taken from birth, sort of like the Spartan army, you know, and grown up to be brainwashed. Um, obviously, the big reference is to, of First Order is to um, Hitler's Nazi Germany with the Hitler Youth and all that, just grown into this SS troops and stormtroopers are effectively named after Hitler's stormtroopers, you know. Um, but I, I was just constantly thinking, why isn't Finn talking to these other stormtroopers? Hey, Fred, I'm your friend, man, <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, "Hey, DC two two nine four, what are you doing tonight, man? It, like, it was want to hang out?" <laughs> it was such a powerful image that blood being touched on him, and he only ever did it once. So I'm assuming he only had one friend in that battalion, maybe in that starship, and that really after his death, and then murdering all those village village people, he's just constantly thinking, "Okay, I can't do this," you know, and. Um, and it's a pity they only did that once that's all I'll say because Finn is a terrific character I was rooting for him the whole time this soldier seeking redemption you know and I love the bromance some people said I like to say like I love buddy films and I love the relationship between him and Poe you know he he rescues him and he's nice to meet you Finn yeah nice to meet you man (laughs) and they compliment each other well like he goes I'm only a shooter Uh, I only know to control the blasters and stuff like that and he's like oh that's right I'll get you in front you know they were they compliment each other so well it was fantastic yeah the the bromance was definitely there I feel like Oscar Isaac has come out of this like as the hunky guy oh he he stole the movie like no Han Solo sorry excuse me Harrison Ford did the best but he came out like a superstar you go okay this kid's got something you know (laughs) well at the beginning we get Max von Sydow's character who says to Kylo Ren one of the great legends of cinema and I thought he was just underused in this film like great presence and everything like that I wish there was more of it (laughs) well yeah his character character was a mystery you didn't know who was going to be people speculated that he would be some sith lord or something but he was just there to say the truth that is your family you know already planting that seed for the kind of you know kylo ren reveals who who was he i mean he knows leia he has a partial map for some reason this whole map thing is like a big MacGuffin just to get through the movie it's the death star battle plans dave yeah it's a <laughs> thing that they need the resistance needs it <laughs> We can't win without Luke. You know, and it was interesting when Poe gets captured and the, there's that blast that oh, Kylo Ren Oh, man, that was amazing. Like, yeah. but the implication was how much power um, Kylo Ren had. Like, this guy is a Sith Lord, maybe beyond Darth Vader. But that's definitely not the case as the film goes on. You realise that he's just nowhere in the same league as Darth Vader. Maybe they gave him too much power at the beginning, but... I don't care. It was so cool. Like, and just the way the stormtroopers entered and moved, like the the, the flashing lights, the the um the battleships landing, and all the stroop, st- stormtroopers coming out, and they're gunning down villages. They're not missing their mark. As one goes down, another one takes its position. You know, they fire at that X-wing, taking out its engine. Beautiful choreography. You really felt the threat of stormtroopers. Criticism on the 1977 film and all the subsequent Star Wars films 
after that the stormtroopers are really bad they're always missing their mark and there's that famous meme that always goes around you know um obi-wan's looking at the blast um the uh, the shots that they made on the sand people and he goes see these shots they're too accurate to be sand people it's just like really because mm-hmm. they miss every shot in the other films <laughs> i missed the presence of like an obi-wan type i guess i'm thinking episode eight will have that <laughs> So Poe was funny. He's like, so you talk first, yeah, I talk yeah. first. Right yeah. from there, they break the the humor, yeah. and it was so daring. I, I went with it. I go, that's fantastic. Yeah, all the humor like that Poe injects into the the film is fantastic. And even Finn got a few great lines in as it went along. But he's captured, which is mirroring the 1977 capture of Leia, if you will. And uh, he's going to be tortured, which, I mean, they sort of gave us a bit more torture this time around than implied torture but then we get uh, we get to meet the luke skywalker copy if you will uh ray who's living on a desert world as a scavenger and she's sitting there with that old woman and like the implication that that will be her if she continues exactly yeah she sees uh you know a crystal ball so to speak um there's also that image i think it was just before it might have even been just before the whole beginning of the movie but we have that shot of the earth oh sorry of a planet or a star and then the giant starship goes in front of it just devours it in shadow and that's the whole um movie they do it in one shot they also did it in the 1977 film, but it bespeaks so much of what the heart of Star Wars is about, good and evil, and the light and the dark side, and obviously that planet representing what's left of the light is now being devoured by this this new order, the First Order, which is effectively an agent of darkness, you know, they're, they're really coming. Yeah, that was directly after the scrolling text. Camera move goes down, yep. and then that's what you see, yeah. No, that was very good. So Ray, she's scavenging. Uh, I would have liked to have seen her drinking like blue milk, just like Luke Skywalker. But I really did enjoy that little mixing sustenance. Did bread. they say what planet that was? No, um, uh, she's on Jakku, isn't she? Okay, all right. I thought it was Tatooine. <laughs> no, nah, uh, that's the only one I caught the name of. Actually, was Jakku. Sure. Which they everyone wanted to go back to. You know, I've got to go back. I've got to go back to Jakku. That's what... there's nothing for you there. Mm, nothing for anybody there. It's just. Did you see when she mixed the little uh, bread sustenance with water? Yeah. That was a practical effect. So they had something that they puffed up there and then, you know, that looked pretty cool. And that's what I loved what, where J.J. Abrams took this as much practical effects as possible and sometimes it worked against it. And we'll get to that. Like the, some of the CGI'd uh, main characters just looked out of... They were very well done. Great work by all the CG artists but they just looked out of place when you got a world that's full of real looking you know practical effects and then you insert a heavy cgi character they really look out of place not as bad as jar jar binks in episode one but i just felt like oh you can you know i can see the strings so to speak mm-hmm. she uh she puts on that helmet and she's sort of daydreaming of adventure and like sees spaceships she's sort of like luke skywalker she speaks droid, which is interesting, you know. She um, she saves BB-8 from a guy named Tito who just wants him for parts. All these little minor characters who got names, it expands the world of Star Wars so much. But um, what I found... So- and to sell toys. Yeah, that's true. Um, I saw they were selling toys of, Gre- of Greedo, and I was like, he's not even in this one. Like, Also Vader toys, which, I mean, you know, he's not... A- anyway... So, uh, Tito, uh, every time they showed a character like that who was doing something random, you know, um, or we saw that pecking bird thing that it sort of cut from that pecking bird to 
her flying past or whatever. Every time something like that happened, I thought of like the spoofs that'll happen, you know, the memes that are going to go around. You know, Family Guy did like Blue Harvest and like ripped off and did all the plots of um, Star Wars. And I feel like, you know, Robot Chicken, everyone will have a go at all these minor characters and and just the the world of Star Wars and that these are all going to become things we're so familiar with just like the 1977 film. What was interesting was the best pilot in the Resistance is trying to resist Kylo Ren. Is he is the best pilot, you know, going to be able to resist him? No. He gives up the information. Poe Dameron uh you know says that it's in BB-8. He gives it gives it away whether it's through the mind control or whatever. And then we know, like, the stakes are always following this this droid, uh, much like 1977's A New Hope Lloyd. She's offered 60 portions for the droid, and uh, somebody told me that that's Simon Pegg playing that character who's giving out the portions of food. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick it, so I don't know if that's true. Um, I thought Simon Pegg was going to be a stormtrooper and have a camera. I heard it was Daniel Craig. <laughs> mm. Do you know which one <laughs> Daniel Craig was? It's the one, uh, supposedly it's the one where she um, tells him uh, to, to let her go and drop the gun yeah. um, towards the end of the film. That's what I heard. That was Daniel Craig. That's what I heard as well. I thought that was going to yeah. be Simon Pegg, but I wasn't paying attention to the voice at the time and then really second viewing will have to um, be the one that gives that to me. It could have been the end of her Star Wars adventure if she gives away the droid, but she doesn't. And then we get that fantastic rescue of Poe by Finn, a.k.a. FN2187, and it sort of reminds you of the whole Luke and Han, you know, I'm here to rescue you, dressed as Stormtroopers stuff, you know? Now, when they crash on Jakku, did you see there was, like, a big monster that consumes the ship? Uh, it comes out of the sand kind of thing, like the ship sinks. Oh, I didn't know that was a monster. I just thought it sunk in quicksand or something. That's and then possible, it blew too. Up. I, I was yeah. thinking about the Sarlacc. Um, you know, like the monster that consumes things that everyone falls into. And I was thinking it was something like some kind of sand monster or something that's consumed the ship. But we didn't really get an answer there, so a bit of a loose end, maybe. Was it, wasn't that an exciting sequence where they escape from that Star Destroyer and they're hooked up, you know, so like an umbilical cord is um, holding back that TIE fighter from escaping, and we see all the um, stormtroopers. I thought there was going to be just a slight bit of a moment where... Um, you know, Finn would just pause and go, man, I'm going to shoot my friends here, but he doesn't have a second guess, you know. The moment he figures out how the blasters work, he just goes to town killing uh, gosh knows how many. Yeah, um, of that's, his, that's uh, what he's been trained to do, and he knows that he's on the side of evil now, so he recognizes yeah. them all as villains, really. Yeah, so quickly. Um, uh, uh, I guess we as the audience just weren't given that moment of thought I guess hesitation, maybe he, yeah yeah that hesitation and the chemistry again between them as they're escaping was just absolutely wonderful I love it how you have the one pilot and then the fi- the fighter um at his back and it's very similar to of course Han Solo piloting the Millennium Falcon or Chewie pa- piloting the Millennium Falcon and he's um Luke Skywalker's at the as the gunner yeah you know and of course we of further on we have the exact same sequence with the millennium falcon itself hux general hux and kylo ren have a really interesting relationship lloyd i think that they're sort of like petty brothers sort of fighting for snoke's approval or something well absolutely you also had uh the the main villain in the original 1977 star wars i'm like oh geez i can't believe i'm forgetting his name is it tarkin 
is a Tarkin, and I can't remember the actor who played him. It was one of the greats. I want to say it's Peter Cushion, but it's not Peter Cushion. Um, anyway, he uh, he uh, he was the head of the Death Star, and there was a, a sense that he had a higher rank than Darth Vader because Darth Vader started choking someone, and he said, "Vader, release him," and he said, "As you wish." And I get a sense of that here that. Uh, uh, the general um, played by uh, Dom Gleason is a higher ranking person than um, uh, Kylo Ren mm. it was really interesting because I mean when they when they're in there with Snoke you know there's that line where he says well Kylo Ren thought it was you know better to let them go or whatever and you know, they're sort of dobbing each other in and there's that line where he says you know maybe Snoke should use clones and that's the only real reference to the prequels is the fact that they were once clones thank god yeah because was... i said in our preview video I, I want them to get away from that like i don't want them to use that clone idea it was a stupid idea introduced by george lucas and um it took away from just the excitement of stormtroopers and and then with this one obviously they've completely eradicated i guess the, that idea. he felt that they, they needed to explain how all these suddenly there were all these stormtroopers what what did you think of um the when when you saw him the grand um uh, supreme leader Snoke. Snoke? I thought he resembled Voldemort a little bit. I heard Gollum. <laughs> Gollum as well, sure. There's a sort of a fascination because he's being projected, so you think he's a giant the first time you see him. You know, it's Andy Serkis who's famously motion captured Gollum and and others, and so I guess the Gollum is in there, you know. But I'm wondering if he is like four feet tall like a yoda type yeah because maybe he has a a height problem like you know he needs to project himself big but then the emperor was also projected very big but it wasn't full body it was just head and shoulders you know so i don't know if it's a tactic uh it's really interesting because he sort of reminds me of thanos in avengers he's just this kind of like leader who's not there who's far away who is an eventual problem for jedi yep absolutely yeah, so, I mean, at this stage, it's very hard to quantify him. Um, I just didn't like the CG aspect of him. He just, uh, again, with, with with this world that's projected with a lot of practical effects and we see a lot of puppetry being used, I kind of wish they, they didn't go in that direction. Um, I, I felt like they certainly didn't need to. Um, certainly an actor could have played a, a creature like that with makeup, Yeah, you know, projected on. So it just really was a a thumb you know it was just really sticking out for me well i was surprised that we got to see him so clearly because it would have been fine to show us the head and shoulders of this person that you don't even really meet this movie we've been waiting for you mr bond yeah i mean you could have had like a dr claw or inspector gadget type you know you don't really see their face you see a back of a chair or christoph waltz inspector yeah like i mean he didn't play a pivotal role in this one so maybe with too much has been given away with his appearance and everything there's something wrong with his mouth there like it's uh been closed over or burned. yeah it seems like anyone who goes into the dark side is it's like a pact with the devil like uh you know it's at a high price to have all these powers mm. and um yeah so they all seem deformed like uh, as much as their souls like to, and corrupted you know their face and and physical appearance reflects what's inside you know yeah i think it's really interesting that kylo ren has been seduced by the dark side and i find the idea that he doesn't want to let the light side in yeah that was fan- absolutely fantastic i uh, i thought uh, you know he's he was a great great character he isn't 
a Sith master like Darth Vader. He's much more juvenile in the sense his emotions yeah. seem to flare up all the time. He, like his movements and speech seems to always be tortured. And I think that obviously reflects what's going on internally. And effectively what he is re- really is is a broken knight. And J.J. Abrams pushes that to great effect in the climactic scene with um, Han Solo, which we'll get to where the light slowly disappears and it just becomes all red. And you know, um, that that's reflecting the demonic path that he set on that, uh, you know, Adam Driver was absolutely fantastic on playing that. I agree. I'm a big fan of Adam Driver from Girls and um, I think he's done a great job here. I think this is going to become maybe the iconic role he's known for what's the point of the mask the helmet it's a tribute to his grandfather oh okay so you know he's he's mimicking he doesn't need it he doesn't need it at all to breathe or anything if anything it's a hindrance and it's the heaviest mask he puts it down twice and it's just like it could be the sound effects just emphasizing it but yeah absolutely oh it seemed Uh, like i mean i'd be upset too if i had a bowling ball on my head all the time (laughs) you know like a knight um has a helmet that's why i guess the stormtroopers all wear those masks like as protection from a blaster so i guess that's the idea um uh, like a sith knight needs a, a mask just like a knight would because you know um george lucas obviously took a lot from akira kurosawa movies and uh, old, old school flash gordon movies where they did have sort of knights and and things like that in them i did um i did wonder if you know the petulant child who maybe daddy didn't hug him enough kind of attitude he seemed a bit emo uh, people have, yeah absolutely yeah people have read into it a little bit you know emo spider-man or or people have compared it to anakin hayden christensen's anakin you know which i think the acting is much better and the emotion is much better uh you know so maybe this is a vast improved version of what they were comparing it to as i said in our specter um podcast where we talked about the main villain christoph waltz i think that's actually a very poorly written villain that's just been done to death where you know it's because they weren't hugged enough when they were young and they're this abandoned child that they've grown up really tortured and without love and all that and this is what happens i think it's a very tiresome not a very in-depth character like orson wells goes on 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 and on about it um in an interview but uh it it all comes down to the actor and how they perform that if they make you want to get inside their head and understand where they're coming from and i think as you said adam driver does a fantastic job at doing that Mm. can i talk for a moment about uh poe's jacket so poe gets this jacket that finn then wears and then later on ray wears it in the snow sequences and it's like the sisterhood of traveling pants but with a jacket everybody has a go at this thing (laughs) and i was sick of it I, i didn't enjoy this like let's all share a jacket business who else shared it the three of them, Poe, uh, Finn, and Ray, all... When did Ray wear it? She wears it over her shoulders when they're running through the snow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't need that, you know? <laughs> I like the humour that came from it, where she thought he was part of the resistance because of the he was wearing the jacket, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which leads to one of the best jokes in the film that got the biggest laugh, when he's telling BB-8, oh, could you just lie and tell her where the base is for me? And he gives it, and then BB-8 up. does do it. Yeah, and the thumbs up scene. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> BB-8 returns the thumbs up with, like, a cigarette lighter kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Some people thought it was the finger. I'm like, no, that's clearly a thumbs up. Like, BB-8 is so impressive how expressive um the character is more so, like r2d2 does a fine job but it's re- he's really stiff 
I find just not very practical in its design. And BB-8, um, absolutely fantastic job. You know, all the tilting, love, yeah, yeah, the tilting. It's got the strings to attach itself when things go all chaotic. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic little guy there. And um, you know, I said I spoke of the cruel hand of Disney, but I really want to get that toy. The movie did a great job of selling it to me. I, th- I thought he was fantastic, and he's so expressive when he looks upon the village and it's all blowing up, and he looks down. Oh you know you really feel sorry for it and it's struggling um moving along in the desert just really lonely this this um loyal droid that's just going onwards with its mission by itself you know reminded me a bit of um oh geez the the science fiction film of the 70s oh my gosh uh, silent running okay i haven't seen it there was interesting how they handled ray she was never a princess you know, uh, she's tough, she can hold her own. There were a few times where Finn takes her hand or tries to save her, uh, tries to, you know, be the hero. Uh, she doesn't need saving, you know, which I thought was very modern. And, um, you know, I've got two daughters, I want them to have female characters in film that they can look up to, and I think uh, Daisy Ridley's character is great. You know, I think Ray steals the scenes that she's in. Yeah, considering she's 23 years old and her whole life is about to change, I thought... <laughs> Yeah. She reminds me so much of Kira Knightley. Oh, Maybe it's bit. the accent, but it's just something about her face and her expressions. Like, I was just seeing so much of Kira Knightley in her. No, nothing gets that, but I have a lot of problems with her character, which we'll get to. Um, I think she just pulls out too many tricks out of thin air okay. all of a sudden, you know. Well, she's got the force, but we'll get there. Uh, he quickly tells her about the map and Luke Skywalker like too quickly for ex- exposition reasons I feel uh, not knowing if she's a friend or a foe he's like oh yeah no the droid's carrying information and uh, help us find Luke Skywalker and you know he doesn't know her at this point you know he's just like walked over from that watering hole with the elephant thing um, elephant pig thing and um, immediately starts telling her things so yeah I felt uh, some of it was uh, exposition heavy but they try to escape, they take the Millennium Falcon, which was fantastic to see, and there's that line where she refers to it as garbage, you know, and then garbage will do after their ship explodes. And the reveal of it, I heard, just got so many cheers. It didn't happen, unfortunately, in my audience, but um, I heard people were just absolutely cheering. Like, the build-up and the reveal of that Millennium Falcon was fantastic. The great thing about that sequence for me is how the technology is exactly as how it was portrayed in the 1977 film where the you know uh, George Lucas updated a lot of the technology in episode 1 2 and 3 specifically when we see Luke's older parents you know Ben and and, and all that oh it wasn't Ben uncle is uncle what, what, Ben Uncle, is it, was it Uncle Ben? I Sorry, Uncle, um, Uncle, Uncle Owen. Uncle Ben. Owen. Uncle Owen. <laughs> I think Old Ben is the yeah. um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Anyway, um, where you see that character in Episode One, Two, and Three, and all the technology of their hut is all updated. Doesn't look anything like what they had in the late seventies and early eighties. In George uh, George Lucas' defense, like you kind of have to go in that direction, I guess. But J.J. Uh, Abrams refuses to do that with the Millennium Falcon. What? How? Um, Finn is shooting the um, TIE fighters that are chasing him is exactly what... Yeah, the graphics are exactly the same. When they turn on the chess game, it's exactly the same as uh, what it was in the 1977. That was absolutely fantastic. And there's that also the ball he finds, which was the (laughs) lightsaber practice for Luke. I found it really interesting. There's a metaphor here for the Millennium Falcon. They say this thing hasn't flown in years, you know, which the metaphor, of course, is for the franchise. Will it fly, you know? And I loved it that it was all like the original because 
you wouldn't see any updates to this ship. It's a piece of junk. It's it's dated. It's um, it's like an old car. You know, you don't put a modern, um, you know, I guess anything in an old car. You keep the original parts. You know, that's what works about it. That's what people love. I, th- I thought it was interesting after that whole chase sequence where Ray is flying the Millennium Falcon and Finn's shooting out the back that they're both so surprised of their skills yeah. and it really made me think they were both strong with the force which uh, as we go through the film Ray has got much more of it than Finn um, we're not sure that he has anything he might just be sort of his uh, stormtrooper skills um, carrying over you know he's got sort of warfare training and that might be it we get a lot of Kylo Ren's anger management issues he, he goes crazy with a lightsaber and you know basically smashes up screens and things and you really see jedis they're normally composed you know they're monk-like they uh they don't know anger and hatred and even when they go to the dark side they're much more composed than kylo ren is he's um he's easily frustrated like flipping a switch you know look and then of course we are reintroduced to han solo and chewie and i don't know if it's just me but i feel like chewie didn't have to do that much this movie do you think Chewie, you know, got enough scenes? Got Yeah, I, I think so. I think it was very serviceable enough. I, I never felt, uh, except for Empire Strikes Back, where he's putting putting back C-3PO, and you really feel his pain because it's much more of a slower doom for Han Solo um, when he gets put in Carbonite. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought he was great in this. He's handing him... He's constantly trying to cover for... Um, uh, Han Solo, you know, and he's giving him his uh, his favorite weapon. <laughs> you know, that was that was great. Yeah, he gets to fire the bow, whatever it is. It was interesting where he says, "You're Han Solo," and he says, "I used to be." Harrison Ford has famously said that line. Somebody said, "Are you Harrison Ford?" And he's always said, "I used to be." I feel like they've put that in because it's something that Harrison Ford says. Um, that feels very scripted for him. And they refer to the Kessel Run in 14 parsecs, and he says 12, you know, and there's those nods to the original, of course. You know, it's emotional to see him on screen. I was actually found myself more emotional to see Leia when she turns up, but he's hauling Rathtars, which is this new kind of tentacled blob thing with teeth that he used to have a bigger crew, and these things have basically killed his crew. Yeah, yeah, they're pushing it heavily with how much uh, Finn is reacting. So where have you got him locked up? You know, and it was so telegraphing the new monster that's going to be running around. You know, that's a, obviously the next problem. <laughs> Maybe too many beats for my like, like um, uh, too much um, uh, foreshadowing. But a lot yeah. of screen time for this sequence. They introduced that very Scottish man, and then the Chinese gang, and everybody wants their money from him, and he says, "I've got a bad feeling about this." And uh, she gets to save Finn again when he's going to be taken by a Rathtar. And uh, I don't know why it doesn't immediately eat him. Like yeah, it's it did dragging with, him away somewhere. With all the others. Like, where's it taking him? It doesn't, well, doesn't have a cave. Yeah, to cover that up, he should have had two other guards, like, not eating them as well, like, holding them together. That would have made more sense. Okay, so he's got three of them rather than only Finn is the, the only one for some reason he, the creature's not eating right away. Made me think of the film The Host, um, how that creature in that takes people back to have a food supply you know kind of keeps people um yeah the korean film interesting design how it was rolling as well yeah um yeah and it kind of reminded me of that uh creature that they were all going to get dropped in by java the hut 
but obviously not that more mobile of course and uh bigger <laughs> yeah i think uh it's interesting like i was wondering why he was hauling those creatures like what use anyone had for them yeah well i think it was it was a uh, somebody wanted them like as a pet i guess one of those like or a picture, zoo yeah for a zoo a picture a crazy sultan from i don't know saudi arabia that wants some crazy creature in a you know i, I can definitely picture that <laughs> i wondered if it was like um you know a gladiator style fighting arena oh yeah absolutely or like just, just um, like the what jabba the hut had how he had that big monster that he'd throw slaves into yeah something like that that's the way i was leaning uh so yeah she saves finn again and um yeah we are casually given the information when next time we see supreme leader snoke as a giant hologram you know he says the text uh, the speech sorry from the trailer where he says uh there's been an awakening have you felt it and he casually reveals your father han uh which i was immediately like oh his name isn't kylo solo is it that's not a that's not a good name but obviously not uh, we get there and he says by the grace of your training i will not be seduced and he says we shall see challenging him to you know stay on the dark side basically and uh, as i said fascinating the whole turning to the light side rather than the dark and he has tears in his eyes at times you know adam driver's really like playing it very emotionally it's great i loved the scene where he's talking to vader's helmet and uh, he says grandfather and he says he feels the light side calling him i uh, i just wish it wasn't in the trailer at all sure i wish that would have been a surprise where i'd said to myself watching it you know oh my gosh he's got the helmet where did he get that and like you know that would have been a nice turning point where i saw how much he liked vader and respected vader and wanted to be like vader in the film rather than in the trailer so luke trained kylo and he felt responsible when he turned evil so i guess uh sort of much in the vein of vader slash obi-wan's fight you know they'll be fighting in the future if this is going to be a blueprint of the original trilogy uh we may see luke fall at the hands of kylo ren in a future movie you know if um if this is very much like an apprentice master you know who's the master now kind of deal if that's the case i really don't want luke to go out like like i said in our preview episode yeah. i don't want luke to go out like uh obi-wan kenobi in star wars where he withdraws and he just gives up i want him to go out in a blaze of glory you know like fighting and then you know getting hit uh, i just don't like that kind of death <laughs> well i mean it's sort of a cop-out for the character and maybe there were budgetary reasons or something for star wars like you couldn't have a big lightsaber fight there or something it was very stiff like obviously with the um the helmet and mask at the time they couldn't choreograph a epic um errol fight flynn scene. fight mm. scene which is what i guess george lucas was going for or a kira kurosawa samurai fight scene they just couldn't do it because this the helmet and um suit that darth vader had to wear was just too stiff plus of course you got alec guinness who was um uh, aging at that time i believe he was 70 something which um might sort of be the age mark hamill is now um oh i don't think mark hamill's 70 is he i don't know we might have to look that up i think somebody said he was a very similar age to alec guinness anyway uh it's interesting that ray 64 sorry mate uh mark hamill 64 ah, okay cool uh my bad apologies mark um ray has never seen trees at this time you know she's living on a desert planet and han offers her a job when they land on that uh you know very uh 
foresty place where Maz Katana's Katina is, or Katina. And when he offers her a job, she says she wants to go back to Jakku. You know, she's waiting there for her family. We we've sort of get a glimpse into her past. But did you notice when she's counting the days, like she's etching the days into that bit of metal, she doesn't do the line across to make groups of five? That's how they count in that world. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it's just going to take longer to count it all if there's no grouping, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, Maz Katana, played by Lupita Nyong'o, uh, she likes that Wookiee, Lloyd. She uh, she says, where's my boyfriend? The first line she gets. A person brought up uh, an interesting point to me in that place. Where are all the other ships parked? Like the Millennium Falcon Park's outside, you know, where are all the other ships? Because once you get inside the building, there's so many different cultures and groups there, much like, obviously, the cantina scene in um, uh, the 1977 film. Uh, very That's true. Yeah. Um, and also, she sticks out for me, again, as a CGI'd creature in a world of very practical effects and puppetry. She really stuck out for me. Yeah, agreed. And I can't tell if they want her to be a Yoda-type uh, character. It was so convenient, that whole scene. There was too many things converging there. Like, on top of all that, there's Luke's lightsaber at the bottom of that place. That, to me, uh, stuck out. I wasn't sure why (laughs) she had it, and why Rey went down the mysterious staircase, and why the lightsaber's unattended. It's the cave scene in Star Wars Episode Five. Of course, the (laughs) the vision is. But um, their lightsaber's really there, so that's what sort of prompts the whole, you know vision that she has and uh she has that sequence where she sees like kylo ren and presumably the knights of ren all standing in the rain mm-hmm. that was one unexplained shot because... where was she running to she just runs out i want out of this place and she just runs into the forest and go hold on just just think about it you want to get out back to your home world right you, you're better off going on a ship where are you running you're just running in the forest you know that was just a bit of a wild scene for me yeah, well, I mean, the the hero's journey, the hero has to reject first the sort of mission, the calling. So that's the only reason she turns down the lightsaber there, which then gets handed to Finn, is that she has to say no. She can't go, okay, you know, and agree. Same, probably the same reason she turns down Han's offer for a job, is that she's not quite ready to, you know, use the force and whatever. In the Katina as well, they had so many random characters who would sort of say, you know, report to the First Order and tell them we found the droid, you know, or tell the Resistance, you know. So many random people would just walk towards camera and have that one line through the course of the film. I got, like, it became a bit of a running joke or a drinking game almost. (laughs) Again, I very much enjoyed the film. I'm just pointing things out. It was interesting to me, like, that Maz Katana had, uh, she'd seen the phase of the Sith and Empire and now First Order, you know, that sort of ages her back to the original or the the prequels even you know with the sith and stuff so she's very old but i don't know you know she has nothing to do with the force she knows of the force she's no jedi you know you sort of get a very random character um Mm. convenient one for sure and I don't like it how she disappears at the end. Like um, Han Solo and Chewbacca and um, Finn, they they all try to get away battling the stormtroopers and her place is turned to rubble from the battle and she just disappears back in the hole. Yeah, like, like it happens every Wednesday. 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, but she she just goes back and then disappears. Oh well, it's been here. I've been house, housing people for a thousand years. Yeah. Or I don't know what Han Solo said. You know. Uh, oh well, I'm just gonna go back in here. You know, like aren't stormtroopers occupying where you're going right now? Like, isn't that dangerous? But uh, I guess that wasn't the main focus. No, I mean we couldn't follow all the sub characters. Imagine no, yeah. if we started following Tito in the desert, who was looking for scraps. <laughs> you know, be a very different movie. Yeah, so Hux, we kept to General Hux, Domino Gleason, and he does that very Nazi speech, the First Order, with very good voice projection. I can see them doing a, a meme or a joke where someone at the back's like, can you hear him? No, no, just just keep staring forward. And uh, pretty much the, the Death Star or Starkiller base fires, and we get to see kind of that, you know, destruction of a planet. Uh, firsthand, which that was the big speech um, Dom Gleason gives to the soldiers, uh, which is obviously choreographed to look like Nazi Germany. Yeah. And when that when the Death Star fires, um, and he's looking upon it, and you see that the reflection in Dom Gleason Gleason's eyes, you really get inside his head, and eerily, he looks more threatening than Kylo Ren for me, because you you get a sense of this young man who has complete utter power of this incredibly strong force he's a general in it you can see the greed in him you can see this lust for power this almost like child juvenile person with a very powerful weapon and what he's going to do dom gleason's awesome man he's really good and you get a sense he's staring at pure complete power from the trailer and you know just the information ahead of time i thought he was a very minor character I thought, oh yeah, this General Hux is going to be on one base, the base will explode and that will be his part. I very much thought it was like a small cameo type role. But now seeing him on such equal footing with Kylo Ren, it really makes me think he's going to be in like some very crucial stuff coming up, you know? I hope so. Yeah. Oh, I'm right, it is Peter Cushing who played Admiral whatever in um, Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, Admiral Tarkin. Uh, Stormtroopers and Kylo arrive. They're, of course, looking for the map. That, Wasn't uh, that a cool sequence how we get to see the pilot at full strength take out all those TIE fighters in that yeah. one shot? <laughs> yeah, and like, oh, Finn, Finn's like, wow, that guy's a good pilot. <laughs> Everybody says he's the best pilot. He's the greatest pilot. He says it himself. You know, they really drive the point home that he's the best pilot. He's the best. Buy, buy his toy. Buy his you, toy. You, the Pro for me, episode... <laughs> For me in episode one, it was like, no one stops droidicas, only eleven ninety five at your local Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> I liked seeing that destroyed AT-AT, AT-AT, whatever it is, um, that she was sort of leaning against at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Remnants uh, of the old empire. Han shoots without looking One at one point. Did you yeah. see that? In that whole sequence? I thought that was kind of cool. Like, audience got a kick out of it in my screening and you know Han shoots first kind of nods <laughs> Finn uses the lightsaber has a fight is captured and uh you know the resistance sort of arrives and Poe is still alive you know uh which nobody questioned I mean did you think Poe was dead at any point no I I, I didn't think he was dead he had to appear again and what a great scene to see them reunite mm. he goes oh hey man how did you survive oh you know I got a jacket I woke up and you were all gone and he yeah. goes oh do you want your jacket back he goes no nah, man keep it you suited that, that was looks great. good on you yeah, yeah oh, it looks I, good I literally on you. wrote down the word bromance <laughs> <laughs> uh, look for me Han and Leia seeing each other again with the perfect interruption from C-3PO was a great great moment 
yeah, Carrie F- Fisher is really good in this. A great sense of experience and pain, like her inner voice and eyes. You can really feel the weight she's been carrying for many years. She just had a great presence. Like, I was so impressed with Carrie Fisher because I don't know what else she's done. You know, after The Burbs, <laughs> which is a movie I absolutely love. I don't know what else Carrie Fisher has done. And to see her in this, it's just like, wow, why aren't you in more movies? You are absolutely terrific. Um, I said in the preview episode that my biggest fear was that J.J. Abrams was going to abuse the old cast and, and they were going to become caricatures. And I, of course, felt that he did that with Star Trek movies, specifically Leonard Nimoy. But here... I thought he used all of them really well. Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as um, General Leia, is it or whatever? She's Organa. Organa, Organa, sorry. So she wasn't yeah. Princess Leia; she was General Organa. General, yeah. So JJ um, I, I, Abrams did an incredible job um, with the old cast. At the beginning of the film, Max von Sydow does say, "She'll always be royalty to me." Like uh, they do nod to the fact that she's Princess Leia, but. Uh, She's never referred to as Princess Leia in this. You know how um, she's obviously got the force within her being uh, Luke's uh, sister. When um, the planet initially dies in 1977, the planet blows up, you have uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi just uh, collapse going, I just felt like all these voices screamed to terror and died. You didn't get that with both... Uh, a missed opportunity there is with Rey. She should have collapsed and felt something. And I think obviously with... um, uh, General Leia. Jeez, I don't know what her last name is. What's Organa. her last name? Organa. I'll never get it. It's <laughs> Princess right. Leia to me. Uh, General Leia Organa. She, she, I felt she should have collapsed and felt that as well um, because that is so significant for the Empire to take out three or four planets just like that um, and all those people just die. That should have been a big pause and holy crap moment. And in fact, I don't think the killer Death Star or whatever it was called was built up enough. It just felt like, oh, this is a problem. Let's solve it right now. It just, I, I just felt like it needed more time to build up how important, how significant this weapon really is. For like, me, uh, I'm, my biggest issue with the movie, and it does mirror too much the plot of 1977, but I feel like the Death Star's played out. For me... Oh, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, like why is... Why rebuild it? And, yeah. <laughs> and you rebuild it with the same flaws to be beaten in the same way. And uh, I guess my issue is like that can't be the only play the Empire or the First but Order But it's got has. more teeth, Dave. It's bigger. Oh, they, that sequence annoyed me. The um, exposition scene with the Resistance where they're like, check out how big it used to be. Exactly. Now it's this big. <laughs> Oh, but it's got the same it's, sort of weaknesses. It's yep. got cuttlefish DNA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was praying that Admiral Akbar would say something like, it's intact. Something that sounded like it's a trap, you know, or <laughs> something that nodded to it. Oh, I wanted something that nodded to his original. When Han and Leia see each other again, um, and Kylo Did Ren you has... choke up, Dave? Did you go, oh, God? Well, that was probably one of the more emotional moments, I thought. When, he um, hugged, um, when she hugged Chewie. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Kylo Ren's taken Rey at this point, you know, because she's seen the map. Uh, he says, you changed your hair. <laughs> she says, same jacket. And he goes, no, nah, new jacket. And uh, then they, the, I saw our son, you know. They they share this, a this bit, child. A bit too much in that dialogue sequence. Like, I loved every minute that they're together. But there's so much exposition that they're t- talking, that they're saying in that sequence. Um, maybe too much. You know, he's my son. He went to the light side. 
there's still a bit of him left. Yeah, just a little too much of that. But I have to say, I cherished every sequence they were together. Agreed. Um, it was a little expositiony, but I like the bit where she says there's too much Vader in him. I really appreciated that line. I feel like mm-hmm. that was a, a telling line. But then they say Snoke seduced him, which we know. We can still save him, which we're hopeful for. There's still light in him, which is the same thing that, you know, repetitive. You're his father, which we've been told twice already. And uh, then this basically sets up the stakes of the trilogy. For me... I went back to what I only know what to do. I did... I carried on the Resistance fight. (laughs) Yeah. I shouldn't talk like that because I really like this movie. Um, I guess I'm just being mean. I'm being really douchey. Oh, we're, we're being nitpicky. I think we're being thorough, though. The thing is, like, Han... Oh, I don't know, he, um... Oh, we'll get to Han. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead. Finn has info on the base, which is the only time I've thought, oh, cool, they've got this resistance info because he's worked on the base. You know, you've got to kind of agree with that. R2-D2 is in low power mode and has been for years, which I thought yeah, was that's... a bit of a waste of R2-D2. <laughs> and, he, and he turns back on at the right moment. Oh, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, when uh, everyone... <laughs> I'm being douchey again, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we finally get to see Adam Driver's face. He takes the mask off the first time. We hear it clunk down with such force. We see him try and get the map from her, and she also possesses the force, so she senses that he's afraid, you know? Uh, These are some of the issues I'm having problems with, like, just how much... Like, I guess the force is strong in her, and I got to understand that kylo ren isn't a fully trained sith lord like darth vader like i I get a sense darth vader would have just had his way you know like he's just so ominous and powerful he's the most powerful jedi etc etc kylo ren just isn't in the same ballpark and that's his biggest fear um and this girl who has the force strong within her but has absolutely no training from what i can tell in this movie she just automatically puts up a fight and kind of beats him that's where I'm just like, oh, okay, we're stretching we've, a little bit we've too We've sort here. of seen her scrapping back in Jakku when she's fighting people off of her. She's got yeah, that staff, you know. That's a, that's a good point, because I was going to bring up my, my another point. Other point was when we get up to it, it was the lightsaber battle, yeah. how much she was able to put up a fight. Yeah. Um, but you are right, there is that a bit of a foreshadowing with the stick that she's you, you get the impression she's been f- looking after herself for a long, long time and fighting a lot of um, hoodlums and stuff like that with the stick. I really feel like episode eight's going to escalate how many lightsaber battles there are because this felt like there wasn't enough of anything. Uh, uh, were you shocked when uh, Kylo Ren took off his helmet and he wasn't scarred up? Like the, he was this really good-looking, almost prince or this, you know, like a uh, well, he uh, was like Adam Driver, yeah. <laughs> um, or he was Adam Driver, yeah, yeah, Adam Driver. I, I guess because they'd hidden his face, I was expecting there to be something like. I don't know, a an eye patch or something. Sc- yeah. You know? <laughs> I think that a lot of that is, you know, how many Bond villains we've seen that have like an eye patch or an eye problem or absolutely, yeah, a deformity, you know. And um, I think the helmet is just practical, you know, for defensive reasons. And and I mean, I guess you know, he's it looks like Adam Driver. You know, I, know. <laughs> I didn't really think about it too much. Here's the scene I had an issue with Lloyd, and it was when Han is going to go to the base with Finn and they're going to crash in the snow and he says goodbye to Leia she says you still drive me crazy he could have said I know yeah a bit of missed opportunity there 
And then they hugged, like the trailers showed, but no kiss. And I'm thinking, you might not see each other again. Let's have a kiss, you know. Well, I got a sense from that that their relationship, they, they still love each other, but that passion has died a long time ago. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're just not at that relationship anymore. And I found it very human that they're different people from what they were when they were hotshot young people now. Like, but they have they had a son together they had a very deep relationship together but it's the, those people are now dead and the, the these are who they are now and I, I just found it very human um that that hug that embrace and that goodbye yeah okay i think you know at the, uh, maybe i'll think about it and reconsider but at the time i wanted i, I wanted a kiss <laughs> uh, at the time i seriously i just thought shouldn't they kiss here isn't this the you know cinematic kiss you want to see fair enough Look, uh, they crash land. Finn's worked in sanitation, and he says, we'll, <laughs> "That was great. We'll just I love use it. the force." That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how the force works. It's weird. In in my cinema, I was like one of the only two people laughing at that joke. That was great. Maybe maybe people didn't hear it. Well, I just love it how Harrison Ford just realized. Hold on, we got all the way at this point, and that's your plan. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few moments they're still putting plans together, aren't they? <laughs> they break in, they hold Captain Phasma at gunpoint, or blaster point, and she just obeys them? Yeah, she didn't put up much of a fight at all for a diehard stormtrooper who's, you know, obviously holds a very high high part in the hierarchy. Of a the ranking, team. yeah. A just... ranking. She didn't put up anything for torture or anything like that, but you just kind of had to go with it. Like, I love the humour of Finn now. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. <laughs> that was all at the right moments. I, I love the all the the casting of all the people that were around dom gleason uh, the general giving the orders like people operating all the machines they really felt lived in they felt like great quality actors and that's what i loved about four five and six just even those seconds felt really good like they knew what they were doing they've worked this this operating machine for a long time you know um they're they're all going about their business um it's really good big contrast to the prequels where i just felt the casting was just awful or 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 george lucas lucas's really stiff direction and everyone just seemed really wooden and very difficult to act with all the green screens no doubt i know absolutely and that was very to bash the prequels (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and that was very early days of green screen you got to remember like now it's common to walk as an actor to walk into a room just full green screen and that's your set um whereas george lucas was really one of the first to embrace that they leave captain phasma uh they make that trash compactor joke you know they're gonna throw her in a trash compactor And she didn't even put up a fight, Dave. We didn't yeah. even see what she could do. We don't even know if she's going to be alive for episode eight. Well, she she is, I assume. But, but it's kind of like she shouldn't have been able to escape the trash compactor in time. And maybe she shouldn't have survived. I don't know. Like, we just kind of leave her there. Uh, I assume she'll be in episode eight. And hopefully she'll have a few more scenes with a bit more action. And we'll get yeah, to know Yeah, a bit her. of a showdown with Finn, maybe. Or, uh, yeah, maybe Chewie or something. I don't know. <clears throat> the, he says escape now hug later which is funny for uh, Ray and Finn and then they have to go set detonators Lloyd um, at which point I'm thinking I have a bad feeling about this I was thinking that they'd have to stay and detonate it manually like Bruce Willis in Armageddon you know and he could say you've got a new job you know now Finn taking care of my little girl and that would be the reveal that Ray was his daughter and at that time my head was spinning with uh, possibility 
that um, what was about to happen. And of course we get the confrontation with Kylo Ren and Han Solo on the bridge and he shouts Ben. So we learn that his name is Ben Solo. Uh, probably, presumably named for Ben Kenobi, which I'm guessing was Leia's idea because Han Solo didn't have much to do with Ben Kenobi. Also at that point we have the battle outside, which is very similar to the 1977 film where they have to bomb a specific part of the planet um, to destroy it. Um, It seemed like a very ragtag group of the Resistance that was sent to take out this massive planet. Uh, yeah very small group like the resistance is very scattered and i also felt the defense that the um the first order had was very small for such an important um uh, device like i I just felt the defense just wasn't great especially when the shields were down he just said oh deploy all units to defend but i love the technique of that device of that um death star where it had to suck the sun and then he says poe goes as long as there's light we have a chance which is obviously in reference to the to the light and darkness that star wars really embodies that you know once it goes dark then the dark side wins they'll fire off their mega weapon and destroy several planets and then of course that's contrasted nicely with the confrontation you're talking about between han solo and his son where the light is slowly disappearing and you know i sort of saw the end there i was like okay this is and i knew it was going to happen and i I have to still admit it was really heartbreaking seeing one of the great heroes of cinema finally go away you know well finn and ray just kind of watch it the same way luke watches obi-wan die yes yes very similar On, on that bridge as well like the slow unfolding of that scene everybody should have seen that coming i know in the video we well i sort of predicted Han Solo would die Um, well done Dave your time to gloat is now that was very well spotted I even butted in and said to you like going Dave (laughs) no I said Dave they're worth too much money it's not gonna happen (laughs) what an idiot (laughs) I I did say I did say Han Solo the whole time that scene I was like that son of a bitch was right (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you very much at the end of this uh, podcast we'll predict everything about episode (laughs) 8 see how close we can get um i did say i thought chewie might die too because in a way chewbacca without han solo is you know you almost don't want to see him um Great point. i kind of now want chewbacca to meet a nice female wookie and then leave and just stay with her you know? <laughs> they already did that with this christmas special oh, great <laughs> happening on this bridge he says you know snoke is using you you know this to be true which is very searcher feelings well he said he's just using you and then he'll destroy yeah. you once he's done and you know that yeah you know this to be true and i mean it probably is true like Kylo ren has all this power and i mean I, we don't know enough about snoke at this point to to make a guess but the death of han solo is the thing i can't believe like that it wasn't spoiled more i can't believe nobody's writing it on facebook and ruining it for everybody else like i feel like everyone's doing a great job yeah everybody's doing fantastic and i'm amazed uh that it's not just out there um i did google uh han solo death force awakens and if you search image search a few people have taken stills in the cinema you know um wow with their phones and like you know um it, it is out there look uh i really like that that send-off i think i read a lot of criticism about that they wanted uh, more more of an epic uh, more of a build up to that sequence but I thought I thought they did that pretty well like this father hoping there's something good about his son 
and you know ultimately that's his demise you know but um he really loves his son and he dies for it you know believing that he's still good but in the end he's <laughs> he's really corrupted and han solo um, but, touches the face of his son as he's dying you know there's yeah. a niceness to that i mean you get the feeling I'm, I'm really gonna miss harrison ford like i was hoping he'd be in more but uh, you were right dave like they they had to pass pass it on look you know i watched um harrison ford go on every talk show it felt like a farewell tour um i've been thinking and presuming he well you you presumed that before even the tour so yeah i mean credit credit to you dave well i i saw it coming and i mean i i didn't want to be right but if you're going to get rid of somebody i feel like of the three han solo luke and leia I feel like you need Luke for now. I feel like Leia needs to live, possibly through the whole thing. Han Solo is the most expendable. Also, by losing Han Solo, you add credibility to Kylo Ren as a villain. He's just killed someone you love. He's now more evil in your eyes, you know. You want vengeance for Han Solo, you know, this character. You watched through three movies, four movies with The Force Awakens, and he's suddenly been taken, you know. How did Chewie get that shot off without him stopping the laser? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> maybe he was just too like oh man i just killed my father oh you bastard <laughs> yeah he he was very in the moment because as you said you know it all goes dark and he holds that lightsaber there and really like you know i'm surprised chewy didn't start shooting earlier also i'm surprised that ray and finn stood there and watched as long as they did i think the pacing was off in that scene for me yeah it felt no, too I- slow to unfold I, um also we didn't talk about the one of the best scenes of the movie where he walks in to see the girl kylo ren and she's gone yeah um and then he starts tearing the place up we see the two stormtroopers walking and they could hear kylo ren going crazy and they just back off and run away <laughs> he's got anger management problems <laughs> and everyone knows it yeah. You don't want to mess with him. No one wants to tell him. Do you reckon him. he killed that soldier? You know, the first instance you see him tearing up a bit of um, the ship. And he chokes and the, the soldiers, guy. He chokes the guy. Do you reckon that guy died or survived? Well, he pulls him towards him and sort of chokes him when he... What girl? When he hears there's a girl. And I wondered if he knows who she is. I don't think he does because when, she see, when he sees her in the thing, um, when he's got her tied up, um, I... I he, it's like he doesn't know her but why would he take off his mask maybe he's wants to be more human with her i'm yeah i'm just clutching at straws here i'm sure uh kylo ren fights finn and finn does better than expected really under the circumstances yeah that um yeah finn doesn't have any lightsaber training i'm sure and i'm thinking he's remembering he said i'm good with a blaster and you know he does have that kind of sword fight with that stormtrooper and loses yeah. that battle and he put he puts up a pretty good fight. He even cuts the Sith warrior um, in the lightsaber battle in the forest, which I was just like, oh man, well, what's going on here? But Kylo Ren is injured by Chewie's um, shot, and he's constantly beating his chest, and he's seeing the blood. Um, Squirter, I love that reaction. How he's hitting his chest. It's not like the classic, oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the tough guy's reaction. Like he's obviously in significant pain, but he's just trying to work through it. Adrenaline. And he does. exactly adrenaline and he does beat he tears up his spine i guess but doesn't kill him um i I guess i'm assuming um he's still in a coma state and then he has to fight ren and that's where i had a lot of issues i was like how is she putting up such a fight against a really trained um 
Sith. She's never held a lightsaber in her life. Well, uh, she but held that's it just... one time when she had that dream sequence, <laughs> <laughs> and she almost touched the real lightsaber. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I had a lot of issues with that. Like she, all of us, it's like that Disney strategy where, uh, uh, like, the princess marries a really handsome guy, or sorry, some lady that doesn't have anything, and all of a sudden she meets a handsome prince, and they live happily ever after. Like they're imbued without effort in these great um, the magic feather strategy. They, they get these great abilities without really working for them. I would have loved to have seen even a little training sequence because we see that with Luke Skywalker and Obi Wan with the blaster that you reference that they reference in this movie that you mentioned um that uh finn fires and uh, finds in the ship you see luke slowly training with the lightsaber and how long it took him just to get competent with it like even in empire strikes back he was nothing to darth vader darth vader could have cut him down at any point ren her first oh, ray ren is ray picks up the lightsaber the first time and puts up a hell of a fight against this really um uh, uh demonic character you know that that's an issue i really had i was just like oh come on but again um kylo ren was injured so maybe that gave him the edge i think that's what people are saying is that she's a natural but he's injured so halfway through the fight kylo ren offers to train her as well yeah and you can sense that she he's scared like man this chick's gonna be pretty good you know if i could train her she'll be awesome yeah i mean i also think that he's trying to get her over to his side you know Darth yeah Darth. there is this goblin hierarchy to the siths like darth vader said to luke um to come uh, join me and we can become we can rule the galaxy as father and son and we can kill the emperor there's all yeah so if you get into the dark side you to be the king you have to be the killer you know you have to kill like and even emperor palpatine said that like he could control life and death but he couldn't control his own life and i killed him and he became the sith lord emperor palpatine so yeah he yeah, killed his really... master who taught him everything he knew exactly and there is an implication with driver where he's like man if i can get this chick who's really good at this stage and she hasn't she does she's not even aware of the force yet i can become the best she probably is going to be the best jedi ever since Darth vader or since luke i suppose um yes since luke yep look I mean, the fight felt, you know, brief enough. There was a couple of moments where she went to higher ground and I was reminded of Anakin when he is fighting with uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan and um, in episode three and, you know, he's like, don't do it, Anakin, I have the higher ground. And he tries, oh, yeah. you know, but she kept going you... high, you know, and uh, it was confusing and I was, I was a bit worried I for I believe there, you but... underestimate my powers. Mm. <laughs> She's uh she's not all emotional about it though. She she got really calm as you saw. I think the best thing is the stalemate that it sort of ends at. But he gets that facial scar presumably that uh, you wanted on him so much. I just want to quickly say with the actual choreography of the lightsaber battles, how beautiful it was. It was clumsy. It was strength and power, a little bit of finesse. It was so much better than the prequels. The prequels felt it was so overly choreographed. It didn't feel like the actors or the characters were actually doing it. It felt like a puppet guy was in there controlling them. Like and they it just it was just so distance and but with this you feel 
the clumsiness, the juvenile aspect of um, Kylo Ren, that he's just swinging wildly, yeah. his training isn't fully complete. And then with Finn holding the lightsaber, with Rey holding the lightsaber, they were just <laughs> holding on to dear life, going, oh gosh, what's happening next? You really feel that in the choreography. And that to me is great choreography when you understand the characters, where they're coming, for, coming from, and you insert that into the physicality of what they're executing. A bad choreography is is episodes one two and three where like i don't want to bash on those films because everyone's done it like you said Dave, but it's a dance it's a dance all of a sudden insert a dance sequence here and it's too choreographed like you're just like well okay well how long until this over till we can actually see emotion you know um so beautiful work by jj abrams and team really really well done on the lightsaber battles they're an important aspect to um, the Star Wars universe and this is a great, great contribution to it. And we've bashed the prequels enough times. <laughs> so the Death Star gets destroyed again, which I was just rolling my eyes at and I was thinking like, I hope they don't rebuild the Death Star next episode. I really hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I hope... Yeah, I hope it's a, like an army that... They, oh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to um, what we think is going to happen. Yeah. At the very end, everybody's kind of getting out of there right um that felt kind of clumsy to me it was unclear who was where you know um you see chewy in the millennium falcon and so then she gets into yeah the- he was about to take off yeah, wasn't he? <laughs> but as well i mean kylo ren was on the other she was like oh crap chewy's taking off she picks up kylo uh, picks up finn. Um, finn and just running oh, oh god chewy <laughs> yeah and as well like kylo ren's on the other side of a chasm presumably captain phasma's in the like trash compactor i don't know how general hux gets off of there like he, he gets off the planet plus he takes um a Ky- kylo ren like obviously he went all right i gotta search for kylo ren yeah. pick him up in my ship and then get the hell out of yeah there. so it's all felt a bit rushed at the end there and snoke does say you know he will continue his conclude his training or whatever so that implies that he's still learning exactly and that puts a lot of perspective on my criticism um also i'm glad the general got out of there as well i'm glad he didn't die with the ship and that's the last we see of domel gleason um because one of the biggest losses for me was peter cushing Uh, i would have loved to have seen him in uh, uh, empire strikes back and return of the jedi i think he was an absolutely fantastic character in um star wars uh one two and three uh four five and six Mm. excuse me uh, so at the end of this film, R2-D2, the exposition droid, wakes up to uh, give them the part of the map they need conveniently to get to Luke. <laughs> and Leia gets... I like it you said conveniently. <laughs> <laughs> Leia gets to say, may the force be with you. And then at the end, we go to the ocean and island from her dreams. That You know, she's... Uh, Adam Driver's character, Kylo Ren, mentions it when he's trying to get into her head, you know, that she dreams about ocean and why, why do they just send um her like why not carry uh, leia or <laughs> general leia <laughs> or, or Ghana. Oh, Ghana. why don't they just send uh, why didn't they, all of them go hey luke it's all of us why did they just send chewy and her i don't know <laughs> and also i mean why doesn't chewy get to be captain instead of co-pilot still doesn't he graduate get to take the big chair you know because yeah she was conveniently good at fixing the Millennium Falcon, but anyway. At the end, we finally see Luke Skywalker. Zero lines in this film. There's a shot of her holding out the lightsaber, and then a very wide, 
presumably taken from a helicopter shot right before the credits. What do you think of that ending? Seeing Luke. Oh, did you feel short change? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit of that. It was very beautiful, and I knew they were going to cut to black without any dialogue. The wide shot told us that, yeah. I could have stayed there for another hour if they just gave me more of Luke Skywalker, you I know? I would have appreciated like, one line. Okay. <laughs> um, Luke should have spoken. He should have said something. He looked glorious, Dave. <laughs> As he was there. The age on him, the beard and everything. He was yeah. just emoting, and he was just reacting like, oh, you know, so many feels. <laughs> He, if I wish that he had, she's holding the lightsaber out for the longest time. I wish he had held out his hand and pulled the lightsaber towards him and held it and, mm. like, you know, felt it for weight or something and then said to her, I've been waiting for you or something that implies, you know, hello, Ray, or, uh, you know, you've been brought here by the force or now your training can begin or some line, anything to tell us something about episode eight. But all it was was hey it's luke <laughs> didn't he get like second billing or something as well oh, I, don't know. I don't know they've they've put him in all these like publicity events and things and hiding him isn't really a strategy when he's only in two scenes yeah like i would have appreciated another 10 minutes or something with luke but um it um did its job getting me excited for the next star wars look uh conclusively han says with leia you know, he left so that because he knew Leia would miss him, and now exactly the same thing. If you think about it, we're all going to miss him. You know, he's left the series. He's out. We're going to miss Han Solo. Oh yeah. But in a couple, I miss him now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but in a couple of years, we're getting a Han Solo solo movie. So the character is kind of going to live on. They're going to do like a young indie kind of version of Han Solo, right? So is, do we want that now, knowing that? Han Solo dies? I don't know. You know, because they're going to kind of spit in it a bit. Because <laughs> you, you had criticisms with um, the prequels. One of the biggest uh, issues of the prequels, you know what's going to happen yeah. with Darth Vader. So a lot of the, you know, so the, the I guess the entertainers, how they got to point B, we know what happens. It's like C, a chess but... game. You're just moving pieces around. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how the Solo movie will, will flesh out. Look, uh, let's talk briefly about what we were right about. In that video, we correctly predicted uh, Finn had been groomed into warfare. He'd been taken... You you, you clearly predicted, Dave. <laughs> I didn't predict anything at all. Oh, come on. Way off mark. But th that's our pre-video we did for Star Wars. You can find that on our website, of course. Uh, Ray and Finn, I described them as being kind of a yin and yang of the Force, uh, which is not yet true, really. I feel like Finn is still like it, we're still finding out who he is i hope they don't tell us he's lando calrissian's kid or something because he's the only <laughs> other black man in the universe aren't they doing rogue um yeah six or six or something is that does that have anything to do with what we just saw episode seven no i think it's going to be taking place between three and four. Oh, i see i see and yeah. it's about their plans to steal death star plans blueprints or something and it's, i think it's called rogue one and we'll see that next december here in australia um Look, uh, Ray possibly has been hidden, like Luke, which I think we speculated about. Again, we don't know if that's true yet. Han Solo was correctly predicted to be Kylo Ren's father. Uh, I also thought Ray is the daughter of Han Solo. There's a sequence where Maz Katana says to Han Solo, So who is she? And then it cuts to Finn and Ray. 
uh, when she walks away from the table. And I thought in that scene, maybe Han Solo is saying, she's my daughter, you know, or she's our kid and we've hidden her or whatever. Like, maybe he knows. Luke was hidden in seclusion. I think you thought that would would be the case. Uh, Neither of us really wanted Luke to be a villain. Um, And I think it pays tribute to the character, the fact that they didn't make him a villain. I said that Luke would train Rey and Finn, which is not yet not true. (laughs) I don't think Finn will ever get anything with the Jedi aspect at all. So, like, our Han was never really... You know, Han Solo did handle a lightsaber at one point just to cut the rope that the Ewoks caught him in. Uh, And to cut that creature to keep Luke warm in the Battle of Hoth. Yep. But I I just don't see Finn being any Jedi aspect at all. Okay. Han Solo died, which was correctly predicted. I did say and or Chewie, so um, you said, I hope you're absolutely wrong. Uh, I said somebody else would be piloting the Millennium Falcon by the end, which was correct. Ray flew the thing. And uh, I referred to Kylo Ren as the new Darth Vader. Oh, 100%. With (laughs) with a three-movie arc for redemption, which obviously now he could easily have some redemption. He's demonstrated he's all dark side and villain and uh, that the light side's trying to creep in, though, and, and there's room for him to be redeemed. One thing I was thinking was Finn and Ray don't seem to have a love connection there's a lot of hugging and I feel like the love interest for Ray, I want to put it on the record is going to be Poe Dameron he's the Han Solo of the new group she's effectively the lead female character or the Princess Leia equivalent so they're going to pair the two of them up they've got things in common, they're both great pilots and that's the kind of girl that's going to impress him they'll introduce another girl for Finn? for Finn, I would assume so, yeah like the um that CGI girl, the old the old one. No the idea. <laughs> no idea. The glasses. No one idea. Of the glasses, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Maz Katana, the old, yeah. <laughs> super old woman. Uh, look, I mean, let's let's do a bit of speculating. We've seen episode seven. We've seen Star Wars: The Force Awakens. What could happen now in episode eight and beyond? Well, uh, obviously, Kylo Ren's gonna be. F- um, trained um heavily we're going to see hopefully more of the 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 guy behind the shadows you sort of speak Um, snoke we're going to learn a bit more about him we're going to see more inside the internals of the um first order i think general hoth will play a much more general larger yeah he'll be like a significant force um definitely in the sequel and i as you say dave i hope it's not like we have to build death star five you know or, or something like that. I, Terrible. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it even had the shield mechanism of Return of the Jedi as well in this. You know, just like well, let's put them together. Like, yeah, I just hope it's a, they can get away from that. You know, it's sort of like in Terminator where they always have to go back and kill Sarah Connor. It's like, well, the world's big enough. You don't always have to have that as the central aspect of the plot. Sarah Connor going back in time. Maybe you could do other things, you know. And I hope that's the case in the next one where it isn't about a, a big foreboding Death Star. I think this one was very dark um, in the sense because we lost Han Solo. It was a big loss. Empire Strikes Back is considered the darkest out of the trilogy. And I think that's what they're going to go for with um episode eight i think this it's going to be a very dark one agreed yeah i I think it's going to be through hopefully through revelation rather than loss the director they got for it the director of looper ryan johnson yeah ryan johnson is incredibly talented 
Um, so I think they're on the right tracks, providing that they have a good working relationship because we've obviously heard some fights with Disney and other directors and so forth. Obviously, Disney has an idea of where they want to take this trilogy and stuff like that, but I just hope they respect his vision enough and he and it comes across you know, as good as something like Looper. Look, I think uh, we're obviously going to see Luke act as a trainer, as a Obi-Wan type, as a Yoda type for Rey, who's demonstrated the Force. I, as I said, Finn and Rey are too much of a brother-sister, and I feel like Poe Dameron will meet Rey and fall for her, and they'll be the, you know, new Luke and Leia, uh, sorry, Han and Leia uh, types. Uh, him being the new Han Solo. They they implied of course Kylo Ren will get to finish his training with Snoke so I feel like he'll become more powerful um I'd like to see Kylo Ren versus Rey in the third act of episode eight you know a kind of I feel brother sister fight um whether or not she's that'll be the revelation that they're brothers and sisters yeah I think I mean people are saying that Rey is Luke Skywalker's daughter which I think doesn't make sense because he's got that monk Jedi attitude yeah. Um, whereas twins runs in the family for Han and Leia and they could have easily hidden the girl and you know it has a good symmetry with the originals um, and it wouldn't be too surprising and crazy I want to see Kylo Ren kill General Hux I think that there's kind of a interesting Cain and Abel brother thing going on there and I'd like to see the confrontation where Kylo Ren says we no longer have a use for you kills General Hux we don't have a significant opposition like I, I predict Finn's biggest opposition is going to be the stormtrooper that they put in the garbage compactor I oh, feel Phasma, like yep. yeah I feel like there's going to be a bit of a showdown between them and hopefully more of a reveal of the stormtroopers and maybe there are a few more Finns in the stormtrooper army maybe a few of them get punished and killed just I wish they'd venture into that tap into that a little bit more that drama there we don't have a showdown between Poe nothing in the empire that i've seen is um that can um keep up with poe poe seems like a significant force that the rebels have so i'm hoping the general is that um counterpoint that he you know with just sheer magnitude of power is able to put up some sort of um uh, fight against poe because he just seems a little bit overpowered i think we'll see someone lose a limb we'll get a robotic arm on uh, on kylo ren or um or somebody I'm hoping there's no rebuilding the Death Star, much like yourself. I think it's been played out. Stop building Death Stars. We're going to see a new mid-villain, I feel like. Um, Benicio Del Toro signed on to do Episode Eight, so I feel like he'll be like a one-movie villain in the style of Darth Maul, you know, something uh, that doesn't really need to carry over to Episode Nine. someone who's because extendable. Because Ky- Kylo Ren is from a group of knights, yeah? Yes. So hopefully we'll see more of them. Like um, maybe there's a few more Kylo Rens out there, and he's like, you know, one of them. Yeah, I mean, there's we don't know much about them. So, uh, but I've, I'm agreeing with you. I think Episode Eight will be darker. I think they have to go darker in Star Wars, and this has just been a great start in terms of rebooting the universe. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. My movie experience with this, just from those opening scenes i was like wow you know i was laughing at every joke i went with it it was just a beautiful movie experience this whole criticism that it's the exact same movie i do get it like people are really upset and i've uh, had people emailing me or would you think of star wars (laughs) more like reboot you know and all that or whatever they're really um uh 
disappointed in that aspect. They were hoping that they were JJ Abrams would bring something different, like a, a different stuff. But uh, I don't know, man. Like uh, it's a fun, enjoyable movie. This is really fantastic. I paid my twenty dollars and I had a lot of fun with this. And I'm looking forward. I'm really excited to see what they do with eight. You know, so it's. Uh, I think JJ Abrams did an incredible job. I had my doubts about him because um, I'm not a fan of the Star Trek movies myself. And I just thought, oh, you know, I hope he doesn't blow it, you know. But he he's done an incredible job. Very well done. One word answer, ready? Uh, will this be the highest grossing film of all time? Will it beat Avatar? Well, you were, you've said in a couple of podcasts and in our preview video episode um, that it will. That, it, you know, you're very confident it will. Um, I think you're absolutely right, Dave. I'm not doubting you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We will see. But, I mean, it started so strong. Yeah, look, I mean, it feels like the same kind of buzz with episode one. It made so much money. Everyone has to see This is the it. most aggressive and intelligent marketing we have ever seen in the history of movies. But also, I mean, the fact that it's good works in its favor too. Absolutely. The one thing I would say is like, we watched Jurassic World this year. Which we both liked. Yeah, and it had all these nods to Jurassic Park. I think that handled better the nods to the original than Star Wars has. I agree. They didn't commit as aggressively as it was in this film. Like, J.J. Abrams felt it was really strict. Oh, no, no, we've got to have this part at this point. We've got to have the Death Star. You know, it didn't feel like that at all in Jurassic World. Jurassic World was, was like, oh, by the way, here's the old Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just wasn't following that structure as aggressively as uh, what J.J. Abrams was in um, uh, Force Awakens. Exactly. And I think they captured the nostalgia really well. I think um, Jurassic World nods to Jurassic Park whereas uh, Star Wars retreads too much and probably it was a new story I suppose in Jurassic World whereas this feels like we're getting a bit too much of the recycled story absolutely I completely agree and I can understand that criticism but look as I said I enjoyed it um, yeah that that's the big thing what was your experience like how did you like the movie at, at that that's the core value for me a lot of times when I watch movies and I really liked it like uh, everybody loves Rio Bravo by Howard Hawks. I love it too. Does Do people like El Dorado? Absolutely. El Dorado is really fun. Is it the exact movie? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and um, I feel the same way with Force Awakens. It's the El Dorado um, to Rio Bravo, you know what I mean? Like, But it is a really fun movie. Um, if you guys haven't seen it and you made it this far on the podcast, go see it. Take your family and friends. You guys will have a lot of fun. Well, I mean, you know everything if you haven't seen it, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. <laughs> just the, the sense of humor in this was just really great. Yeah. And I mean, I already, I'm already thinking I'm going to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, you know, just see all the extras, see the how BB-8 worked and, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's all, all the practical effects, yep. Yeah, for sure. Pardon me if you can, we're wrapping up for the year, 2015, nearly over, and this will be the final episode for 2015. January we've got The Revenant, we've got Hateful Eight, we've got a few other films up our sleeve. We're going to trek back and uh, revisit a few films from 2015, but it's been a very pleasant year for us, Lloyd. Um, Oh, I think, uh, I say this over and over again, we're so spoiled, Dave, like, jeez Louise. In this month alone, we've had Rocky 7 and Star Wars 7 in one month. I I don't know about the releases elsewhere, but in Australia certainly we had that. And both terrific films. I absolutely loved Creed. 
and just think about that for a second the 70s having rocky and star wars and we go all the way to now and we're seeing rocky 7 and star wars 7 and they're both excellent that's incredible we also had specter in the previous month we've had uh, avengers 2 you know and um what else a uh, jurassic world you know was pretty epic terminator you know, so genesis <laughs> how dare you <laughs> it's a missus but yeah some misses. but 2016 looks even bigger it's just like man is this is this role ever gonna stop they just keep getting bigger and bigger it's it's absolutely terrific and pod me if you can we'll be we'll be here we'll bring you uh captain america civil war we're gonna cover batman vs superman dawn of justice uh we're looking forward to independence day part two uh, mid-year of course star wars rogue one at the end of the year there's a ton of stuff in between and it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast this year and uh thanks everybody who's had a listen feel free to head to podmeifyoucan.com and listen to any of the ones you've missed it's a whole back catalog of everything we've done since 2011 uh, and we'll talk to you more in 2016 guys thanks for the listens hit it for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews 